Our Time, a production of Zero Three Media, Kingston, Tennessee. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Jody Tipton here, my good friend Tim Neal. Mayor, let's just cut to the chase. Big win for the Jackets. Yes, it was. Uh, really, uh, I didn't get a chance to go. I had a meeting that night, but uh, came out and I was listening to, to Landon on the radio and, and uh, put a whooping on the tornadoes. As Jake said, dog whooping. Yeah. It, Took them to the woodshed. Uh, just quick congratulations to uh, to Coach Nairmore and the whole team. Uh, 20 years since we've won the district. It's big it's, for this school. It's big for this town. It's, it's big hard for this to believe community. it's been that long. But uh, you've, you've got to look at the at the competition in that district we're in. Oh, it's crazy! It's crazy. Got uh, got our good friend, Mister Jack Adams, back with us tonight under different circumstances. And we talked before about having Jack on uh, as part of our, our our time special. And tonight we get that. We do. Yeah, uh, you know, we had him on here with Gary Alley when we were talking, doing our, our thin man presentations and stuff, and wanted to get Jack on because Jack, longtime Kingston fan, one one of the one of the best, one of the most known. It's so. been a many a time I seen him run up and down that sideline with that K flag over there, screaming at the top of his lungs. They they was two they they was they was three things back when I was growing up that you count on Friday night. One, them Yellow Jackets was going to show up to play. Two. Jack Adams was there. Three, Jimmy Spence was there. <laughs> That's about right. That's about I right. mean, they they's red. They's Always. Red. So tell 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 the folks a little bit about yourself, Jack. For those I I can't imagine there's too many of them out there that don't know you. But for those that don't know you, just give us a little background. Uh, lived here in Kingston since I was ten months old. Mom and Dad moved here. Dad worked at Oak Ridge. Uh, moved up here from northeast Alabama and rented a little house over in Clinton until they found Cherokee Hills and uh, moved down here on Willowbrook, uh, 213 Willowbrook, and uh, lived there till I got married in 1982 to uh, Lisa Padgett. Adam, we've been married almost 39 years now. Uh, graduated Roan County High School in 1974. Uh, I I guess yeah I was the cheerleader. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was pretty loud. Good Lord, give me a booming voice and a uh, uh, lot of you know not not trying to brag or blow my own whistle. It was really a lot of fun uh, from the time I was a freshman, especially in high school, and probably till my brother graduated. Uh, you know, I, I was there, like you say, kind of the Ronnie Morton thing. If the Yellow Jackets teed it up, tipped it off, I was there. Made a lot of racket. Had a lot of fun. Met a lot of good friends, not just from Kingston, from all over. Uh, I even made Blue Devil fans, Rockwood Tiger fans, even some Midway fans, and, and uh, you know, Oliver Springs uh, fans. Made, made friends with those folks because uh, if you was in the stadium, you could hear me. Right. You know, and I, right. you know, I didn't, I never yelled against the other team. I only cheered for the Yellow Jackets. Uh, I can't say that. <laughs> matter of fact, one of my best friends today, uh, my fishing buddy, Yancey Hampton, was probably one of the stars of all times at, at Loudoun. And his uh, senior year was uh, playing against Jody McLeod and that bunch. 
and they had won the state championship in 1969, and he was a sophomore tailback on that team. Well, his senior year, they got down to about where Yancey was all they had left. I'd forgotten Yancey was from <clears throat> Yeah. I'd forgotten all about that. And <clears throat> the Yellow Jackets pert near killed him that night. <laughs> and uh, probably one of the most impressive gutted out games I've ever seen on a high school football field. To the point, a couple of times, he was so wore out that the team would huddle wherever the Yellow Jacket sacked him or tackled him in the backfield. He would he would stay on both knees, and they would huddle right there, and then he'd get up and get under center. And uh, <clears throat> finally, Coach Ratledge, with about two minutes left to go, took him out of the ball game. And uh, <clears throat> I started a standing ovation for him. The Yard Jacket fans stood up and gave him a standing ovation. And 1985 rolls around. That was 1972, I guess. Uh, 1985 rolls around, and I moved from K-25 to ORNL. And I go in 3047 lab, hot cell operation, uh, making uh, radioactive isotopes. And the labor in that building, Jancy Hampton. And uh, I seen what his badge said and everything, and I said, you're Yancey Hampton, aren't you? Yeah. That's Loudon. Yeah. How'd you know it's Loudon? I said, I remember when you played ball up there. And for a long time, he not only was a really good football player, he's a leading basketball scorer all time until just not too many years ago, a young man broke it. And there wasn't no three-pointers back in those days. Right. Yeah. So anyway, and I asked him, did he remember getting a standing ovation at Kingston this senior year. He said, you know, matter of fact, I do. I said, I just want to start. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, we started fishing together, and, and if if uh, I hook the boat up now, he's usually in there. <laughs> he loves to fish. That's, uh, but I mean, that's, that's, that's product of Kingston right there. Yeah. Uh, you, you don't get that everywhere, you know. I mean, how many other people? Yeah. What other places could you could you be like that, and, and other teams start you standing ovation for you? Yeah. I mean, that that says a lot about you. Of course, I've known you all my life, know what kind of person you are. Doesn't doesn't surprise me a bit. No, not at all. So you grew up here in Cherokee Hills, right? How was it growing up in Cherokee Hills? Oh, mercy! Uh, I was watching Jody there a couple nights ago, and uh, he was talking about Cherokee Hills. You know. The Christopher's living living next door, and uh, you know, and uh, the Morton clan marrying into that and everything. But it, I believe it was my freshman year in high school when the school bus stopped in front of our house because we used to have to walk to the end of the street, no matter what the weather was. He'd come around Woodlawn, and you know how mm-hmm. Willowbrook ties into Woodlawn. We'd have to walk down there at the end of the street where it's raining, bitter cold, and everything. And mom went to the school board and said. Why can't that school bus come up Willowbrook? Because when it stopped on Willowbrook, there was 21 kids. Jolly bunch. <laughs> Got well, on one, I, I think one time. Yeah, I think everybody in Kingston grew up in Cherokee Hills with me. <laughs> 21 kids. If everybody, you know, everybody was going and everything that, that normally rode. And, of course, there wasn't a lot of kids that drove back in those days. It's not like, you know, the parking lot wasn't full like it is now. But, uh, 
when when the school bus stopped on a typical day, there's 21 kids got on the school bus. One that's, stop. that's unreal. Yeah, at one stop. So, right. You know, we had a zillion football games. A zillion. We had a back, we had a flat backyard. Right. You know, basketball. My daddy put me up basketball goal when I was in the second grade. Uh, I've had the Puckett brothers, the King brothers, and all of them because they, you know, grew up right. in this area. And they've all played basketball either on my driveway. After Daddy double wide the driveway, we moved it to the concrete driveway. So sure, that plan sure. Mud. Full court. So, yeah, <laughs> full court. So you know, I, uh, you know, even with those bigger guys there, older guys there, the only rule was I got to play. Right. So and uh, so we 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 had a ball all all the way up, and uh, like I said, it's been a zillion baseball, softball. Football, basketball games, played at 213 Willowbrook. Uh, you know, we, we just had a ball. Right. Uh, and back in those days, of course, you didn't have the traffic and stuff. We, I grew up fishing. Uh, it was not uncommon for me to ride my bicycle to Green Acres down Paint Rock Road. Sure. And I would not let a 10-year-old ride down Paint no. Rock Road on a bed now. <laughs> oh, yeah. No way. No way. <laughs> you know, so, but, you know, it wasn't uncommon me right there, ride to uh, Belco and fish, you know. Uh, remember, you know, got the big uh, Center's Farm out there. That used to be Clark Center's Farm, mm -hmm. of course. And uh, I used to ride out there on the big curve right before you get to the entrance there at Center Farm. I'd park my bicycle right there. Go under the fence. I didn't bother Mr. Center's fence or anything. Didn't bother his cows. And I walked down there and fish. Well, I'd done it for a good while. And one day here he comes over there. Y'all are probably too young to remember him. He looked like the mad scientist. Yeah, no, you know, I'm, he I'm was, yeah. He was over Oak Ridge, you know, at one time. Mm -hmm. So here he come across the field. And I didn't try to run away or anything like that. You know, I just see what he had to say. Asked me to know what I was doing there. I'm fishing, you know. Don't bother your fence. Don't bother your cows. Just, you know, if you don't have a problem with it, I just walk down here and fish. Go right back there and get on my bicycle and ride back to Willowbrook Road. He said, well, I don't mind you doing that. But he said, I wish that you'd come down the driveway instead of parking over here and sneaking out of the fence so I'd know you was out there. And I said, well, to be honest with you, he had two big boxer dogs. I said, be honest with you, the reason I don't do that is them two big dogs. He said, them's the biggest babies. <laughs> so from then on, I'd ride down the driveway, and they had a, like a little uh, place there, like a breakfast nook, you know. Right. And a lot of times him and her would be sitting there drinking coffee or whatever, you know, eating her breakfast or whatever. And I'd throw my hand up and wave, and they'd wave, and I'd pet the dogs and go <laughs> down there and fish. But, uh, you know, growing up, Cherokee Hills was a blast uh, so many memories and uh, you know back in those days if uh, if if I was out of line and Miss McLeod was the closest mama there Miss McLeod busted my hind end right you know if Jody and Tony was in our yard and they was out of line Nelda Adams would bust her hind end or I'd have her you know or Roberta Cooley right <laughs> so <laughs> that's just the way we were you know it was just all family and so, you know, uh, it's, uh, some of us are, some of them passed away now, you know, and, uh, uh, 
you know, those you, you call those memories back when those things happen, you know. Right. But, but we, we we just we had fun growing up, and they're almost like they are almost like family, you know, when something happens. Man, I, I you talking about going out there at Clark Center's? Uh, of course, Dad used to take me back by boat. We'd go back in there and fish. And oh, yeah. I always told Dad, then this is before they developed it. Oh, yeah. But when we'd go back in there and fish, I always told Dad, man, man that's the that's a prettiest place on earth right oh, there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah. Not, not that it's, it's bad now, but, I mean, it was, yeah. it was absolutely beautiful rolling in that cove. Yeah. Uh, me and my brother went out there one time. When I was in the fifth grade, my daddy bought a little aluminum boat from Jack Nicky. And uh, when I was about... 13 or 14 years old, I got out in the yard and learned how to back it up. And I tried to talk Mama into, because Daddy worked shift work right. at x I tried to get her to drive us to the lake. And, of course, you didn't have to worry about people stealing stuff and stuff like that. You know, drop the trailer off. We'd launch the boat and drop the trailer off, and she'd come back and get me. Or when Daddy got home from work, he'd come get us, you know. Well, her excuse was, I don't know how to, I don't know how to back the trailer. So I got out there in the yard and You fix that. Yeah. With Daddy watching me. Right. So uh, one day we was having that discussion, you know, won't you take me and Mark to the lake, you know, so we can go fish. I don't know how to back the trailer. I said, I do. No, you don't. They said, yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> so from then on. So anyway, we, we was over there, and it was colder than it was this morning. <laughs> it was pretty cold. We catching a few fish, and it got cold, so we just got out on the bank and piled us up some sticks and built us a fire. We got them old limestone rocks over there. Well, them things started exploding like dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> it's eating that moisture up in those rocks and the cracks of those rocks. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. We, we, thought we had to put the fire up before we got shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so tell us a little bit about how things was your, your high school days. High school days, uh, you know, I, I didn't play ball. I, I did go out for basketball my freshman year and made it my freshman year and got cut my sophomore year and went out for baseball my freshman year and got cut. And so I never tried again, so I just became the cheerleader, you know, uh, doing something. I was always kind of a big kid, you know. And, you know, you, I don't know how the schools are now, but back in those days, you know, freshmen was a little antsy about going up the senior hall. Sure. You know, uh, you, you might get smacked on the head or something. Nothing terrible, you know, uh, not a serious bullying, but it was all. So I decided my first day in freshman year, I was going to walk up to senior hall and see what happened, you know, just settle this right now. Well, I walked up through there, and all these horror stories we'd heard in eighth grade was nothing to it, of course, right. you know. So uh, I decided I would uh, make my niche somewhere, so I started uh, leading the cheers at pep rallies and leading the cheers at, you know, at, at football games and even at basketball games and, and even baseball games some. And uh, uh, one, of the, one thing, my senior year was on Friday afternoon and we used to play basketball at lunch and breaks and stuff like that up there until you had to go to class, you know. Just enough to get good and sweaty and, <laughs> and everything and I, I bumped heads with a boy, Mike Watts. He lived up here on West Ridgecrest, right there when you turn in on West Ridgecrest where he lived. His mom was the city librarian at the time. And uh, we we bumped heads. 
I hit the corner of his eyebrow right there with that look where you see that little scar right there. And it cut him like I'd hit him with a razor. Right. He was bleeding like stuck hog. So I just grabbed his head with my flat of my hand and run him down to Coach Porter in the office. And I said, Coach, I said, we just prepare playing ball like we always do, you know. And I said, we bumped heads. Nothing rough or anything like that. So we just bumped heads. And I said, I have split his head wide open. Coach Porter said, let me look at it. <laughs> and I said, blood just poured. He said, oh, let me call his mama. So they went there and looked up, you know, how to get a hold of her and called her. And she come around there and I walked him all the way to his mama's car holding his head like it and uh, started back in Coach Porter said you need to go to Dr. Two said your head's bleeding I said oh, I think that's Mike's blood he said no your head's split wide open right there Jack. so I filled the fire and I could feel the gap you know and uh, it's Friday afternoon he's going to have a pep rally I wasn't going to miss that pepper. Right. so we Jimmy Spence runs me out to Dr. Sugar's <laughs> Walk in there in the waiting room and it's crowded, you know. And I thought, oh man, I ain't gonna get out here for three hours, you know. So, Dr. Sugarman had to come out to the front desk where Miss Martin was, you know, the, his nurse and everything. And I said, Dr. Sugarman, I said, does that need a stitch? He said, yeah. I said, man, hurry up, I don't wanna miss this pep rally. He said, well, come on back here, right there in front of everybody, <laughs> you know. So. He said, I'll have to numb that, being where it's at. And I said, oh, just stitch it up. I ain't got time for you to numb it. He looked at Spence, and Spence went back there with me. He said, hold his head still, son, so he don't jerk. Oh, God. <laughs> Old Jimmy Lee got a hold of me, and my eyeballs was about to bug out. He said, son, I said, hold him, not bust his head. <laughs> <laughs> so he throwed about four stitches in there and wiped me off. And he said, get on out of here. And I said, well, what do I owe you? He said, I'll send your daddy a bill. Don't worry about it. Now there we went, and we made the pep rally, you know. And he told me, he said, come back at the end of the week, and I'll take them stitches out. So I go back out there, and I'm waiting. They put me back there in the room, you know, how they do it, the doctor. I was waiting for him to take the stitches out. And I was looking there in the mirror, and I grabbed me a pair of scissors, clip, clip, clip. I started out as he is starting in. I said, is that all right? He said, yeah, get on that. <laughs> I've heard a lot, of, a lot of stories about Doc Sugarman. Oh, yeah. Oh, Doc Sugarman was a dude, but now he was a he was a but when he's on his deathbed over in Harriman Hospital, uh, I, I went in the office there. They had some new Kingston baseball caps that come in for the you know season. Right. I went to get me one, and I said, "I ten dollars, whatever they was, you know." How left you was there? I said, "How give me another?" Looked throwed another ten dollar bill. There. I said, "Give me another. I'm gonna take Doc Sherman one over the hospital." He said, "You're not paying for Doc Sherman's cap." <laughs> <laughs> I took him over there. He had it on when I left, and he died the next morning. He might have had it on when he died. But now you I'd talk, say he did. You yeah. talk about I mean, a Yellow Jacket yeah. fan. You, you know, Jody talking about going to UK. That was Kingston's link to right. UK. Right. You know. And I uh, didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah. That was Dr. Sugarman was right. You had, yeah. yeah, yeah. You had, of course, Coach King, Bobby Abbott, uh, Jody, Jody. I was thinking there was another one too, but I, well, I don't. I can't I've always heard, and and probably the in my, in my lifetime, uh, every all the old timers tell me Billy Joe Gwynn was the best football player that ever played down here. That's all I've ever heard, you know. But the best one I ever got to watch was Bobby Abbott, and he was incredible. Of course, he went up there and uh, got homesick, come home, mm -hmm. you know. Of course, right. of course, Coach King stayed, and that was the same class. But along about. When maybe their senior year, I watched probably the best 
high school football player I've ever watched. And Coach King's listening, he'll probably agree, or Jody, either one, was David Roller from Dayton. Played at UK, went and played for the Green Bay Packers for several years. Oh, yeah. Oh, you talking about it. A man among boys. Yeah, I've, I've never heard that name. Heard Look him up. Uh, ask, ask Jody. I'm sure Jody remembers him. David Roller. And, uh, man, he was just, oh. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I was just a kid, you know, watching him, and I thought, they can't block him, you know. He was a defensive lineman, of course, played on offense, typical high school, you know, but especially on defense. He was just, oh, like, hey. <laughs> huh. You know, we've had some good linemen at Kingston. Oh, know, yeah. You know. Yeah, several. Yeah, Kevin Mays and, you know, keep on going. But uh, I, I don't think any of them come close to matching up with what I seen of him and what sure. I thought of the night I watched him in you know, when sure. he was playing against Kingston down here at Kingston. I thought, my goodness, you know. Somebody get a hold of him. Hold him. <laughs> get on top of it. Yeah. 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 So you graduated in 74. In, in yeah. The so year they won the state championship. That's, that's where I'm going to see. Your senior year, yeah. they won the state championship. Oh, yeah. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, you know, of course, they got beat twice that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it was three times. Twice. Was it twice? Yeah. Maryville beat them 7-6, to six, missed an extra point. And my buddy, Sammy Lee Woodfin, that's after that game when he took over playing center. He was a junior that year, and uh, we had a bad snap on the extra point, and they beat us seven to six. And Sammy played the rest of the season at start center. Now he weighed about a hundred and forty-five pounds. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> but was tougher than a pine knot. Uh, but he played the rest of the season, and then they went to rule, and got beat twenty-one to nothing at rule. I forgot about that. And Frank Fox, you know, played at UT. And Manuel is another tailback I think they had. Uh, a young man by the name of Manuel, last name. Uh, we, we, we couldn't stop him. And, and we was thinking, oh, we're going to meet Rule again, you know, in the playoffs. Well, we beat uh, Men Central in the first round. Uh, Mark Cummings, mm-hmm. who could absolutely fly, couldn't cut. But he could fly. If you get him in a straight line, you ain't gonna catch him. That, that's what Joe said. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he could absolutely fly, and so he scored two touchdowns in the mud against Matt Men Central. Well, we went and then and played uh, Marable in the second round. There's only three rounds in those days because you know. Uh, because only the – You only took the winners. You only took the winners. Right. And, uh, so uh, we went to Maryville because Maryville upset Rule the first week. And that was a big upset. Although Maryville had beat us. And then I thought, well, you know, whoever wins that first one, they, we, they both beat us, you know. So it's going to be a tough go. And anyway, they uh, – we smoked Maryville at Maryville College. Played at Maryville College. You know, pretty nice field and everything. And Jeff Wade run wild. And the thing I remember most about that game, of course, old Wade was pretty fast himself. Mm-hmm. You know, he could motor up, and so could Curtis Bunch. But uh, Jeff was running that beer, and he took off down the sideline. And they had a, I think he was all stater, if I remember right, playing safety. And that old boy had a beat on him. And Sammy Sams got down there 
30 yards downfield and threw a block. He <laughs> threw the block. He threw the block. Sammy Sam. Sammy Sam threw the block. And Jeff scored. And we, we beat them pretty good. You know, if I, I can't recall the score. But then we went and played uh, Proudsdale County, who had beat us the year before. Right. You know, and started out like the house fire. Curtis Munch scored first snap of the ball game, you know, about 70-yard run. And uh, it was Curtis's turn to show out, you know. And we dogged them pretty good well, in the third quarter. They started coming back. Well, y'all know the history. At the end of the game, it's, it was the first playoff game to ever go in overtime. <clears throat> and uh, on fourth down, if I remember my history right, uh, old boy that I'm friends with on Facebook now, Gary McNabb, he was a senior that year, stopped their tailback on fourth down. And, I mean, it was a train wreck. <laughs> Probably got him for targeting this day. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, you don't get targeting typically on a running back, but, you know, it's usually a, a – but, but, I mean, he absolutely killed old boy six inches from the goal line. And Curtis had dislocated his shoulder. He was out of the ball game, and, oh, my goodness, making me think too far back. That's what we do. That's yeah. our specialty. Uh, golly, Dave. Second string tailback, uh, well, fullback, because Cummings was the tailback. Uh, Roberts. Don? No. Well, what was his name? He was a junior that year. Anyway, he went in and gained about four yards on first down, and they put Dr. Sugarman set Curtis's shoulder on the sideline. <laughs> I don't doubt that. No. And uh, he went back in the ball game and won. I'm gonna tell you something. Curtis Bunch one of the toughest people I know. <laughs> I mean, well, I, he I, scored that winning touchdown with a reset shoulder, and he later had to have surgery on that shoulder. Right. You know, uh, later, a few years later, but it just wouldn't stay in anymore. You know, took too many licks. Wait, you know, he's a little hard headed anyway. No. Yeah. <laughs> I love him. When he gets fixed on a price on a boat, you oh, can't bet him. I love him. <laughs> I love him. He's hard-headed, though. He's tough, though. I mean, oh, tough, oh, as he nails, was tough. Buddy. tough as nails, buddy. Tough as nails. And he did. He went back in and scored that winning touchdown with a dislocated show. Now, the side story to that, it was about eight degrees that night. That where I was Tennessee getting ready to go. <laughs> and I gave my coat away. Mike Brackett used to work over at the pool yeah. place. His daddy was sitting there, and he okay, was, he was about to go into daddy. hypothermia shock, you know. So, I was about to say, you should just let Mike freeze. <laughs> oh, I, I probably would have. But uh, I gave him my coat, and I was sitting there with a T-shirt and a sweatshirt on. And they had band members. I can remember some of the band members. They had taken them to the bus because the girls and stuff like the, the auxiliaries and yeah. stuff, of course, they didn't wear their little short skirts and stuff that night. They had on sweatpants and stuff, you know, yeah. things. But they had taken them to the bus. They was crying because it was so cold. I remember my dad telling me he was there. Yeah. With all the guys and said it's the coldest he'd ever been watching a football game. Oh, man, it was low down. Up on that plateau, you know, man, it was cold. And But I was so far up because we got way ahead, you know, and then it was tense because they'd come back and tied <laughs> us up, and then we won the thing. Well, I, I mean, that's where I was born, but I, I'm sure Jimmy's right beside you. Probably oh, yeah, come yeah, Jimmy was too. right there, yeah. yeah. And uh, the year before that, in the second round, they played Jackson Northside. And I told you that story when we was over here with Gary yeah. about renting the bus. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. we rode all the way out there. And uh, that's, a, that's the last time I can remember talking to Jeff Wade's daddy at that ball game before he drowned, you know. 
and that was in our senior year. And uh, right, matter of fact, right after the football season, well, is in January, that when he passed away after uh, Jeff and they won that national or state championship, which would have been late November, early December. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there wasn't, just three there wasn't yeah, there wasn't as many yeah, rounds, so rounds, yeah, should have yeah. been right there late. Yeah, yeah right late before November, Thanksgiving, yeah. I guess, was when they won it. But uh, but I, I tell you what, it was sure enough cold at that state championship game. Mercy sakes, and you know, folks that was there, you know, that's still still with us, <laughs> they'll probably make comments right. on this thing because man, it was low down. And uh, but uh, it was it was a, a, a great game. Well, the two seasons before that, when we'd gotten beat uh, by Milan my sophomore year, and then by Trisdale County my junior year, uh, they, they were both good games. The so Trisdale County I think beat us fourteen to nothing, and it was mud. It, it, it had rained and it's mud, and they had a big old fullback that we just couldn't tackle in the mud. Is what it, you know, what it amounted to. Now. I, I hear a lot back, you know, back in those days we played Trousdale County quite a bit. Was Billy Lamble a part of any of those Trousdale County teams we played? Yes. He was a senior my sophomore year because that's when Jody was a senior and we played Milan. So Milan must have beat Trousdale County that year to get to the state championship because they were up there in the same neck of the woods, you know. Right. And uh, right there next door to one another. So. Uh, no, he he didn't play. I didn't, y'all boys. I didn't meet him till <laughs> till we did. Till I started playing softball at first match. Right. Yeah. When I right. So you you, you met him same time we did. Yeah. 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 And, uh, I'm telling you, man. He he's one of the best I, offensive minds I've ever seen on a football field. I seen him hit a home run in a softball game out at Tallahoma. We was playing in the state tournament, church league out there one time, playing for them. And you know, you when you hit that sweet golf shot, it breathes. Oh yeah! Like I mean, I've seen him do it. <laughs> Looks yeah. like it's floating. Yeah, he hit that softball, and the team we was playing had one of the best outfielders I've ever seen. If it was in the air and in the fence, it was his. And that old boy broke, and they had a plywood fence, four by eight sheets turned on their side, four foot high. Right. And we was playing at the Air Force Base out there, tell home, and it said, you know. Lackland Air Force Base and this and that on the different pieces of plywood all the way around that outfit. Well, that old boy turned and took off when Billy launched that thing. And none of his, I don't know if his teammates didn't like it, but nobody hollered warning track, fence, <laughs> fence nothing. Plywood, he, he, he hit that thing <laughs> wide open. They didn't They like hauled him. him off on the stretcher. Yeah, they didn't, they like, didn't him. like him. I mean, ain't nobody hollered nothing. So anyway, he hit that thing. Old Billy, of course, he circled the fence. I mean, it was over the light pole, you know, when it left there on a three hundred foot fence. And so we, old Billy, come back around there and he said, "What? That, you know, that boy's too good an outfielder." He said, "He ought to known he was close to." The I mean, he wouldn't. I don't. You know, if it if there hadn't been a fence, I don't think he'd run that one down. <laughs> right. you know? And he could fly. I like to say, if it was in the air, it was his. But, but yeah, that's when I. Playing softball is where I got to know y'all boys, Billy, Billy Lindell. He's a he's a dandy. Oh, Billy is a dandy he man. Could, he could hit that softball. Had him, Jerry Walker, Jody. Oh my gosh! Uh, Some power. Larry right Mays. Yeah. On that team, Larry played a lot with us. Uh, I'd I'd hit one every now and again. What about Larry Johnson? Was he any part of? It? No, no. Now I played some independent ball with Larry. Uh, Stud. Yeah. 
Mark hit one, my brother hit one down at that little field in Spring City one time. Hit it up on Highway 27. Yeah. Uh, you know, out of that little part. And uh, Larry Johnson was batting behind him. And Larry Johnson hit it over, over the highway. Over the highway. <laughs> Both ways. I'm telling you, man. I, hey. He, but. He's, he, I've seen him hit one further than anybody I've ever seen. Oh, he could. And I was little when that was going on. Yeah. Ox, but God, he was a strong. We was I was umpiring a game out here and it come big rain. It's a tournament, yeah. On we was playing on the baseball field and you know how the right side dug it, the right side batter's oh, yeah. dug it. Yeah. So there's a mud puddle there, you know. This old boy was about to score and Larry was catching for the team he was playing with. And this old boy went up there and went, Yahoo and jumped and splattered that sandy water, muddy water. <laughs> and it went in Larry's eye. Larry reached out and grabbed him by the jersey and picked him up off the ground. And he said, I'm about to yahoo you. <laughs> you know, a few extra words. Yeah. And then set him down. That old boy just turned. <laughs> well, I mean, he didn't even grunt. But, yeah. but anybody that remembers Larry back in that oh, time, he, man, he was a monster oh, yeah, of a man. He was, he was monster of a man. Huge, huge. And, and could kill a softball if you pitched it low to him. Right. You, you get it up above his waist. Yeah, if you, if it, you knew how to pitch him, you, you could yeah, handle him. Yeah, he could knock it out of the infield. So, so how, how much is is town today changed from town when you were a teenager? The biggest thing that I noticed about Kingston, and I've never lived more than two miles from two thirteen Willowbrook, even since Lisa and I got married. Other than three months, I had to go work to Portsmouth in nineteen ninety two, and couple of weeks at uh, Savannah River one time and a couple of weeks at Los Alamos. And other than that, I've never been more than two miles from home when I laid my head down, you know, uh, on a regular basis. But uh, the biggest thing I noticed is just like when I grew up in Willowbrook, we knew every neighbor. Right. Knew mamas, daddies, brothers, sisters, grandmas. And I've lived where I live now for... 20, almost 30 years, and except the neighbors that just right around me, I don't know my neighbors. Right. You know, I, I, I might know their name, right. but I don't know anything about them. You know, uh, we knew where everybody went to church and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff when we were growing up. You know, uh, if, if somebody needed something, the neighbors were there. Right. If, if somebody... You know, lost their brother or a parent or something like that. The ladies in the neighborhood fixed the meal. Right. You know, you. I mean, you know, most of them went to church back in my day, and and churches did that kind of stuff. But you didn't down there. You didn't need it. You know, my mom and Miss Murr and Miss McLeod and all of them. They'd fix the meal and take it to the house. You know, and that don't happen anymore. Right. And <clears throat> the other thing, of course, part of that's my age and everything. When the when I was a teenager. When the Yellow Jackets took the field or tipped it off in the gym, not not just the Kingston people, whether it's Harriman, Rockwood, and, you know, the local teams. I knew 90% of the people in the gym. Right. You know, knew who they were. Right. And uh, so uh, the kids and everything. I remember one time uh, Matt Men Central brought a pet bus to Kingston at, to a football game. And there was some kind of delay about it leaving, 
And I sat on that pet bus and talked to those kids for an hour after the football game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still know. I still call some of their names. But right. I talk about it. You know. It, it's funny you said that because I, mean, I, I grew up in town, right in the middle of town yeah, there on 3rd yeah. Street. And I lived there a long time. Moved out on this side of town. I tell Kyle Adams all the time, I said, anytime I pass that rocky top right here, it's like I'm going in a different world. Yeah. I don't even like going down there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's different, ain't it? Well, yeah, it's different. Yeah, but, I mean, it's like, it's different, buddy. I, well, I, you know, and, and too, you know, people's priorities, uh, like sports and stuff. When I was a kid, it's Cherokee Field. Six days a week, there's somebody down there, if the weather was fit, played. Right. But you didn't play on Wednesday night, right? And you didn't play on Sunday, right? You know, especially when Marsh Hill Church was in session. Right. Now you might go down there and hit some on Sunday afternoon, but there wasn't no scheduled games. There wasn't no tournaments, stuff like that. We used to have those softball tournaments, little league tournaments, and stuff. And <clears throat> at one time, I held the record for the youngest umpire calling the district tournament in Dixie Youth Baseball. I was 17 years old, umpiring behind the plate, and the. Jody was talking about Daniel Lynch of the night. Yeah. And we was playing over in that little field at South Harriman, and they they made a play. Daniel made a play at first base, and uh, it, was, it was just smart baseball. You know, he was a good athlete. And and the base umpire couldn't see the play he made. It looked like the kid stuck his foot back. It was a pickoff play at first. Well, Daniel blocked his foot, and I called him out from the plate. Of course, here come the base umpire come down there, you know, discussing. I said, he never touched the bag. You know, he never got back to the bag. So he agreed with me, and we rung him out. You know, of course, that made the Harriman folks mad. Of course. <laughs> yeah, right. I said, he never touched the bag. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But anyway, so. You know, I can remember when when I grew up, you talking about umpiring down here, and we lived over on Woodlawn. You know, just. Oh, yeah, yeah. And can still hear you calling balls and strikes, you know, what? Quarter, whatever, half hour is yeah. away from over there. <laughs> half a mile. Half a mile away. And you yeah. hear Jack out there holler, strike, and yeah. he just ring across the whole valley. Yeah. Uh, like I say, we used to have a lot of fun because I was loud, and my <laughs> little brother did too. But the year that uh, Susan Clyers Allen was a senior, uh, last person that Pat Summit ever recruited that played six man ball, as far as I know. Uh, Went down there to the state tournament at MTSU, and uh, especially in the first half, she was lighting that place up. Buddy. I mean, she was wearing it out. And uh, at halftime, not the team we were playing, but another team got to hollering at me. You know, they were like playing the next game or something. They got to holler at me across the gymnasium. Well, I got to talking to them all the way across the gym. So finally, they were, you know, they were doing this, and I was hollering back at them, and I hollered, can you hear me now? <laughs> what? I said, can you hear me over there? Man, that, the whole crowd, yeah. <laughs> I said, well, then shut up. <laughs> and, and another fun one we had to talk about, the standing ovation for Yancey. And I, uh, this was the, uh, God, what year would that have been? 78, 79 basketball season. Uh, Ronnie Baggett, mm -hmm. uh, that bunch. Yep. We went to. Can't, I can't even remember this. Can't keep it straight because I'm getting old. Went to White House or White County, 
and Kingston played one or the other, and Harriman played the other one. And I can't remember who played what. I'll probably go back and look at the old scorebooks or you know old annuals and look. But anyway, we played first, and it was a real close game. Uh, Mark Raymer hit two free throws to seal it, with about three seconds left to go on the clock to you know put it more than, you know one more than one possession game, and uh, so it was. White House and White County, I believe it was, the two other teams, and Harriman was there. And all three of the fan bases were yelling against Kingston while <laughs> Kingston was playing. Sure. I mean, them Blue Devil fans was rocking that house for that other team. That right. Because we'd already beat them four times. That's, well, so. <laughs> By that time, we'd beat them five times because we beat them twice in the regular season, the Christmas tournament that they used to have, beat them in the finals of the district and the finals of the region. And... Uh, so if they'd have both won, we'd have met in the finals of the state, you know. But anyway, uh, I think they both got beat in the second round. But <clears throat> we was down there, and I wrote, we'd rode a, the old Cedar Grove blue bus. Mm -hmm. Remember that old yeah, blue well, I bus? bus? Chuck King drove a bunch of us kids down there, or young people down there. I, I was grown, but uh, drove us down there. He wanted me to go with him, you know, wanted me to ride guys at chaperone. Got down there. Oh, our fans was hot. Those Blue Devil fans hadn't carried us, you know, hadn't carried Roman Kelly. So I looked over Chuck when the game was over and we celebrated there a little bit. I said, You want to have some fun? <laughs> he said, Doing what? I said, Let's yell for the Blue Devils. And I said, Let's get everybody, our cheerleaders, our fans. He said, We'll never pull that off. I said, Man, you go up in the stands and tell them. We'll pull it off. So he said, you think so? I said, yeah. Watch it. We'll have some fun. We went up to the stand to them. We're yelling for the Blue Devils. No, no. I said, oh, yeah. We're turning the other cheek. We're turning <laughs> the other cheek. We're yelling for the Blue Devils. No, no, we can't do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I said, follow me. We'll have a ball. So sure enough, when them Blue Devils, you know, they swept the floor how they do, you know, de-swept the floor with the mops and stuff. And them Blue Devils came out, we rocked the <laughs> house. The Blue Devil fans were sitting in silence. Oh, I guarantee it. They didn't know what to do. <laughs> we we yelled the whole game, and they won. You know, they won, too. They went to the state tournament, too. We got back on the bus. <laughs> oh, Chuck King was grinning from ear to ear. He said, I ain't never had that much fun in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I told you it'd be a ball. And then I had people to call me that night when I got to the house. And he said, you know, they, stuff like, how on earth did you pull that off? You know, so when everybody else started yelling, I started yelling too, you know. And, and people was listening on the radio and stuff. I said, how did you get the Kingston fans <laughs> to yell for Blue Devils after they yelled against it? I said, oh, just turn the other cheek. We're just having fun. And... <laughs> I made friends from that, the Blue Devil fans, you know. There used to be an, an old boy, and y'all remember back in your days, it always, it, at Harriman, I always sat down on the opposite end from where you came in. I always had a Blue Devil toboggan on. And yeah. he liked me, a little simple-minded, you know. <laughs> and I don't care where I seen him, I'd holler, jackets, jackets, and he'd holler, Blue Devils, Blue Devils. <laughs> and that's what we do the whole game. And... 
Me and my daddy was over in South Hammond one time, down there about where Food City is now. It wasn't there. And I seen him walking down the road, driving the truck, you know. Daddy was sitting there. I didn't have power windows on them. I said, roll down the window, roll down the window. He said, what is it? I said, roll down the window. He rolled down the window real quick. Now I heard, Jackie, Jackie, blow that window. <laughs> 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 Where are you? You know, and that's that's one thing you talked about is, is there's different things to do now. Yeah. There's different priorities that oh, yeah. families have. It's not so Too much. Too busy. Uh, right. It's just, it's a hectic. It's, it's what it is. Yeah. You know, my days today has been from 430 to now. So yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just nonstop. Well, even, even probably when you guys were in school, especially if it was, you know, Harriman or Rockwood and everything, you go to the gym and the basketball game, it's full. It's full. Yeah. 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 And it was loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, no matter who was winning, it was loud. And, uh, you know, and that's that's just what it was. You go down down there, you can hear the shoes squeaking. Right. right. <laughs> you can hear that by watching the it is. You know. All you football players was was it away games and yeah. it just ain't it ain't it ain't like that yeah. anymore and that's that's what we, we want by of course we is when I say we, I mean everybody. That's where we need to be. Yeah. And uh I I mean that win the other night to win the district championship was a step in the right direction for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, you hopefully know, when told me before the season started, he said, this will be the best team I've ever coached. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's hands Since down. Since he's been coaching high school. Hands down. He said, this will be the best team I've ever coached. Not just at Kingston. Yeah, he said, no. it'll be the best it's, team it's, I've yeah, ever coached. It's hands down the best he team said, I've ever coached. You know, we've added some tough teams on the schedule. And he said, the record may not show up, but he said, it's the best team I've ever coached. You know, you, you can look at it when you, you get that schedule out there and you've got, you know, you've got Oak Ridge and Maryville and, yeah. and Fulton and all. And you're, yeah, he's, he's, but, you know, back he's in played the, some, he's, he's played, played some teams. teams. Back in the, you know, the Austin Clark days and, and those days, that's that's who they played. Yeah. They played Oak Ridge. And, right. You know, and stuff like right. That. But that, that was on a regular base. Oh, yeah. Oak Ridge don't want to play us now because, I mean, we're, we're a double-A school and they're a big three-A school. They don't want to play you. Are they three or four? Well, basketball is three. Three. Yeah, three. Yeah, yeah, three. Yeah, it's just three. 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 I don't think it goes three. over three. But, yeah. But, you know, that, I mean, they've got everything to lose playing us. Oh, yeah. yeah. If they win, they should have beat well, us. Well, Maryville's the same they, way. Yeah, that's you what know. I'm saying. That, yeah. That's why we can't play. The that's athletes why at Maryville. We don't get the opportunity. The team, you know. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and Alcoa was the same way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we played Maryville in baseball the last two years. And we had to go to Florida to play them. Really? Yeah. In a tournament? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because we can't get them here. Again, if we beat them, we're world killers. If yeah. they beat us, they ain't done anything. Just because of the, 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 the classification. <laughs> I, I remember one time I went to Maryville to watch the kids play. And I, I was trying to get on the cowboy boot kick like everybody else. <laughs> I put me on a pair of cowboy boots. And I was walking, of course, back in those days, had the old wooden bleachers and everything. And I hit that wooden bleacher wrong with the heel of that cowboy boot. And I done everything but kill myself. And I don't think I bore them cowboy boots since. I think I finally gave them away, to be honest with you. I like to kill. I'm a tennis shoe boy and a, and a muck boot man. So. But, so so growing up, what, did you have a job here local where, while you was in high school? What did you do? Cherokee Market, probably. No. I, I actually started mowing yards when I was in the second grade. Okay. I had two neighbor's yards and mom and daddy's yard when I was in second grade that summer, you know. And uh, I mowed yards. And then uh, my freshman year, I worked at 
uh, in the summer. Well, I actually started early in the spring, probably about this time of year, worked at Blue Springs Boat Dock. Okay. Now, it wasn't the big fancy boat dock it was. Now, there's an old fishing boat dock. Right. Know? We sold minters and rented boats, aluminum boats for people to crappie fish and stuff like that. But I worked there through that summer, and then I uh, quit, you know, when school started because it was unhandy. To, I w- didn't even have my driver's license yet. Mom, right. Mom or daddy would have to take me down there and come get me. Sometimes I'd even spend a night down there. Well, of course, that's an hour drive yeah. from Cherokee yeah. Hill. So, and uh, so anyway, <laughs> they had a little old, like, fishing rental rooms, you know. It was like a, a uh, just it was just a, a bed in the sink, you know, and a light bulb. And where fishermen come down there and they'd rent one. Some of them had bunk beds and were two people. Yeah. I'd just go in there and lay down, you know. Wouldn't even shut the door. <laughs> you didn't have there, to. Then. Just go in there and lay down and get up the next day working the same clothes, you know. And uh, but anyway, and then uh, my sophomore year, the summer, I worked for Mr. L. B. Morrow, Morrow's Carpet down Midtown, and we put the original carpet in the Rhone State Building that summer. Okay. That's the reason he hired on some more help. <laughs> Me and Ralph Inman Jr. Uh, we hired on and uh, helped him put the original carpet. I reckon, as far as I know, that's the only time I've ever been high in my life. We spread, we spread <laughs> that, that glue, glue <laughs> five gallons at a time, oh, you know. Gosh. And I finally told Mr. Morrow, I said, we're going to have to open some windows or something. <laughs> I said, I can't hardly walk. And, uh, but anyway, uh, I worked there that summer. And then when, when he got the Rome State job done, it was about time for us to go back to school. So he laid us young fellas off. And, uh, and then after my... My junior year, uh, the summer of my junior year, uh, Mr. John Brown and Mr. Uh, Martin and some of them, they had about six or eight rental houses in around Cherokee Hills and downtown or maybe more than that. And I painted them inside and out. I carried a 24-foot stepladder and a six-foot, I mean a 24-foot extension ladder and a six-foot stepladder and my brushes on a bicycle. Oh, my gosh. Sure did. Rode all over town like it. I'd soon let that let you pick that golf club <laughs> up right there and beat me upside the head. I, I sure did. Yeah. Rode up Morrison Hill with that 24-foot stepladder on my shoulder. Nobody gave you a ride. I was on a bicycle. Truly <laughs> uphill both ways. I was on yeah. a bicycle. Riding it up. And, but I painted that whole summer. And then uh, as soon as the football season was over my senior year, because I didn't want to miss none of that, I went to work at Browder's in the old store. Okay. And I worked there for about three years and then I went to work out at Grey Badger Inn. Mr. Montrock, Mr. Roy Buntrock owned it at that time. And he come in Browder's. Is that Tom's dad? Yes. And uh, Steer's great grandpa or yeah. grandpa. Yeah, grandpa. Yeah. 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 So anyway he uh, he come in there and offered me fifty cents an hour more than what Mr. Bowders paid me. Oh, offered well. me two dollars an hour. Mr. Bowders paid me a dollar and a half an hour. Mr. George. I worked for George and John, but George put, you know, paid me. And uh, so I think I, I would work after school. Of course, it wasn't open on Thursday afternoon, but I'd work after school five days a week. The Great Badger Inn wasn't open on Thursday? No, the hardware store. Oh. No, none of the businesses were open on Thursday afternoon back in those days. Why? They just weren't. That was just a city thing. Like they had the old dime store, the old yeah. Western Auto, uh-huh. the old Patent Hardware, Browder. None of those, the bank or nothing, was open on Thursday afternoon. So Thursday, Sam O'Brien wasn't open on Thursday no. afternoon? Thursday, well, I, Renfro's mobile was. Thursday at 12 o'clock, the fire siren went woo, blow. Everything closed down. You better have your business done because everything shut down. And, I never knew that. I never knew sure that. Sure, yeah. Talk to some of the old timers. I remember. 
it, it shut down at 12 o'clock noon on Thursday. And so I didn't work on Thursday afternoon, obviously. And, uh, but I worked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and all day on Saturday. We'd get there, it opened at seven, and I was usually there with uh, Fred Lee Stout and Foster Palmer to open the door. <clears throat> and we'd, on the cold days, we'd get the cold stove going, right. you know, the old pot belly. That was the only heat in the whole store. And, uh, but we'd get it going, work till closing time, and for two weeks, I'd make $52 and a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> but you was you, 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 you oh, working like, 40 oh. hours a week, though. You was off on Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah you was off on Thursday and Sunday. <laughs> Sunday. Yeah. And then, uh, so I don't then know I what time I'll get this loaded, but I guarantee you, I get a phone call tonight about being closed on Thursdays. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if, if Ronnie Morton was sitting here, he'd tell you, or Ted, or any of them, right. he'd tell you all them old, old kings of boys. Bobby Henley would be good in the top two. He'd, he'd tell you that, because he was around. And, uh, but anyway, uh, I hired on out there at Gray Badger Inn, and uh, Mr. Jim Miller, who used to live up on the far end of West Ridgecrest, died about a year before last. Mm -hmm. Miss Carey used to work for Don in the best place down there. Down here at Cherokee Field, umpiring a nine and ten year old preseason tournament, baseball tournament, and I've been squatting down behind them nine and ten year olds all day. You know, Mr. Miller said, "Would you like to have a real job?" And I said, well, "Yeah, what kind of real job?" He said, "They're going to hire some technicians out there where I work at K25." He said, "You get me a union carbide application. That's what they were then. Right. You know, and you had your name right on the front of it." All, all, and you put the date. I had my name on the front of it. All I had to do was put the date on it. And he said, you get me a Union Carbide application, and I'll take it in. We was fixing to start the next game. I held the next game up and ran to 213 <laughs> Willowbrook, back to the ball field, had the date on it, and handed it to him. Me and my big mouth, a few months before that, uh, and I can't call the lady's name right now, she called me, just called me at home, want to know if I had MC the Kingston Children's Theater talent show. She said, I understand you got a loud mouth and you're good with a microphone. And I said, well, don't usually have to have a microphone, but yeah. You know. And uh, she said, uh, would you mind coming and do that? She said, it's not a paying gig, it's just for the community. I said, I'd love to. So I go down there and we did it twice. And all I was doing is, I was clowning around a little bit, and that's what she wanted. You know, I was clowning around a little bit and uh, introducing the acts and everything and entertaining between the acts while they're setting up and all that kind of stuff. We did it twice. We did it for the students during the day, and I worked a lot of odd shifts. I worked straight midnights at K-25. Well, that's poor. I, was, I still at the motel then. And so, and then we did it the next night for the parents. Well, Mr. Miller takes this application to work and he sees his big boss as he's leaving. Roberts was her last name, lived way out there on Buck Creek. And uh, hands Mr. Roberts my application and he's leaving. Got his briefcase in his hand. He just opens it and sticks it in his briefcase. And he told me this story later, Mr. Roberts did. That night he's doing some paperwork at the supper table after she cleared the dishes, you know. And she brought him a cup of coffee. And there's my name on front of that Union Carbide application. And she sees it. It's face up, you know. She's 
She said, is that the Jack Adams we know? He said, what Jack Adams? She goes, the guy that emceed the talent show for us. He said, oh, no, I hadn't looked at that. said, fellow handed it to me as I was leaving. She picks it up, and she goes, yes, it is. You need to give him a job. That's how <laughs> She's I got hired a, you right there on the spot. That's how I got a job at K-25. <laughs> Pinto, beans, cornbread, a slice of apple pie, a cup of coffee, and Jack Adams is at K-25 work. You got a job. And what year was that? August 9, 1976. 1976. And you're Come still... August 9, I'll have 45 years. 45. And the end of this year, I'm coming to the house. Well, it's probably... You 45 probably... years, 65 years old, that ought to be enough for you. probably served the country well up there in that 45 uh, well, years. I didn't know that I knew two people had mooched off the of government all their life. I yeah. thought it was just you, Mayor. No. If you keep looking, <laughs> there's several out there. I've been there a long, long time. Oh. And I'm second generation. Hey, that's so. awesome, man. <laughs> hey, whatever it takes, man, that, that's awesome. Yeah. I didn't know that's how it went yeah. down. I mean, I knew you'd been for a long time. But I didn't know well, it was like that. Tell you how I went to X10 in 1985. Uh, you remember Miss Jean Quimby? Mm-hmm. Oh yes, a biology teacher. Yes, went up to high school. Well, me and their her daughter Nancy, who just passed away a few years ago, we were big buddies in high school. We never did date or anything. I, I was her homecoming escort our senior year. We went to the senior prom together, but you know we were just good buddies. You know, and. Miss Quimby took a liking to me, and Tom really took a liking to me. What he got the biggest kick out of, when me and Nancy got home from the prom, you know, I took her in, you know, we went in, sat around a few minutes, and it's time for me to leave, you know. They had a little old dog named Speck, and I don't know why I remember that, because I can't remember how I took my medicine. <laughs> Speck had a possum treat under their old red van that she used to haul the cheerleaders in. Me and Speck killed that possum that night, and I was in my Sunday to go to meeting club. Yeah. <laughs> and he told everybody at X10 after. But anyway, I called him from K25 that's shutting down the old centrifuge. I called him and asked him if I could put his name on my resume as a reference. He said, yeah, well, you done doing the resume. I said, well, they're shutting this old centrifuge program down. I said, I got to find a job. I just had got married not too long before that, three years before that. I said, I got to find a job. He said, you get that done, bring it over here. And I said, well, the only thing I like is putting your name, address, and phone number on it. He said, you get it done, bring it over here. Bring me a copy of it. I said, okay. So I went in, Miss Doris Crow was our secretary. She typed Tom's name on there, made me three or four copies of it, and I jumped in the company van and went to X-10. Old guard, the name of Mr. Husky, was on the, what they call the 5,000 portal, and this was not tore down remodeled since. I just went there and looked at his badge, and I said, Mr. Husky, can you tell me we're building uh, uh, 30, 35, what was that number? 3550. Can you tell me we're building 3550? He said, yeah, pull out here in the middle of the street. Pull out there on Central Avenue. He said, see that old wood building down there, past the intersection? I said, yeah. He said, that's 3550. I said, okay, thank you. He said, who are you looking for? I said, Mr. Tom Quimby. He said, yep, that's where he's at. So I motored down there and pulled in. There wasn't no place to park. I just pulled in off the street, turned my flashers on. Went in there, found Tom's office, and he looked at my resume there, and he said, let's go over and see my boss. Got on a pair of blue jeans and a softball T-shirt. <laughs> ACM Auto Parts yeah. softball T-shirt. Yeah. I said, well, I ain't really dressed for an interview or anything. He said, oh, he's a good softball player. He'll like your shirt. <laughs> we walked over there and walked in there, and, Miss Sherry Williams was the secretary. He said, Sherry, is, is uh, Harold in there? And he said, she said, yeah. So I walked in there and said, Harold, this is Mr. Jack Adams, good buddy of mine. 
handed him my resume, and he said, give this young man a job. I know you're fixing to hire some technicians. And he said, how come? He said, because I said so. And I thought, oh, Tom, please, help me. <laughs> you know, that's, that's not really greasing the skids, you know, because I said so. Well, Harold, he picked that resume up, and he gave it a quick glance there, and he said, Jack, <clears throat> this is Thursday. I can't get the paperwork through to get you over here by Monday. Will a week from Monday be okay? <laughs> I said, I'm fine. I said, are you serious? He said, yeah. I can't get it through to get you over here by Monday, but I'll get you over here a week from Monday. And I said, okay. I said, where do I report to? He said, just come back up here to my office, and I'll show you where to go. I said, okay. And I left, and of course, there wasn't no cell phones, nothing I got back to the plant and I called Lisa and I said, well, I got a job. And she said, where we got to move to? I said, we ain't moving. She said, I'm going to X-10. She said, and I'd been to Y-12, shot my pistol, done my run, done my physical and everything for a guard. She said, did you get a guard job at X-10? I said, no. She said, what are going to do? I said, I don't know. <laughs> she said, where are you going to be working? I said, I don't know. She said, well, hey, you know you got a job. I said, man, told me I did. I said, I report there a week from Monday. <laughs> I said, Tom Quimby set it up for me. She said, well, that's a pretty good source, I guess. She said, but you don't know what's going to do. I said, I don't have a clue what I'm going to be doing. So my daddy worked out there. He was in liquid waste. So I called daddy. He worked shift work for 36 years, you know. <clears throat> I said, Pap, I'm coming to X-10 with you. He said, what are you going to be doing? I said, I don't know. He said, where are you going to be working? I said, I don't know. He said, well, how do you know you got a job? And I said, well, uh, Tom Quimby's boss said I did. Well, that was all in the same division at that time. He said, who was it? And I said, I can't remember the fellow's name. So I had to call Tom Quimby at home. Tom, what was that building number? I've got to go back two weeks from now. He said, 3047. And I said, what was the fellow's name? He said, Harold Adair. So I called my daddy back and told him. He said, oh, yeah, I know who that is. And uh, so he got Butch Edgman to put the plug in for me. Because the division director was Mr. Jerry Swanks, and he was next door neighbor, had a farm next to Butch Edgman down 10 Mile. So, <laughs> now, you talking about a good Lord taking care of a fool? I'm walking, talking witness of that. You know, that's, that's the way things happened back sure, then. Sure. You know, when when the three plants were together, and you know, one, you know you'd move from one to the other. Yeah, to the never other. change badges. Right. Yeah, just go beyond. Roll on in. A lot of people worked at all three. At right, different times, right. You know. But that's not yeah. as much now, but back oh, in yeah, the day. yeah, yeah. If I rolled up in Y 12 tomorrow and said, I need to see Tim Neal, what building's he in? Well, they'd shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you couldn't get to the portal. No, I, know. <laughs> I couldn't even get in there and talk to anybody. I asked him where he was at. No, but uh, and and so I, that's uh, you know, I'm just I'm walking, talking proof of good Lord takes care of a fool if if you try to be in his will, right? And you know, I've always tried to do that since, especially since I was a Christian. I was saved after I went to work at K-25 in uh, September of 78. And uh, so, and, and you know, I wasn't a bad guy before then. But if I'd have got killed, you know, jumping out of a ski boat or something, like we used to do, cowboy and stuff, I'd have busted the gates of hell wide open. But, you know, Lord saved me. Right. September 10, 1978. And uh, Mr. Ray Maddox, that just died, mm -hmm. baptized me, you know, good man. And uh, so, 
you know, that's that's one of the bad things we get to talk about on the show is is uh, you know he just died. Yeah. He just died. You know, it's just because oh, yeah. you know, and we've yeah. lost many people in in the area in the last. Five years. Yeah. It's just oh, unbelievable. Yeah. Mr. Tom Quimby just died a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah. You know? and, and Mr. Jim Miller and all those folks is, you know, mentors that work for me, and then so many people mentors at church for me. By the way, just like we're burying Lisa's dad tomorrow. Right. You know, oh. and uh, so uh, people like that, and you know, it's uh, there's a, a lot of members there. You know, I had the opportunity. Going to work at X10 to actually ride to work with my daddy a few days, you know. Yeah, that's, that's that pretty cool. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> and 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 got to meet some of the people that I'd heard their names all my life, you know. Right. <laughs> His big boss, <clears throat> Mr. Larry Lasher. Uh, my second stint in 3047 after I've been in the group that I'm in now, uh, I was you know how you have search wardens and stuff when you have a. Stuff. I'm sure they do that at White Twelve, mm-hmm. you know, your your local emergency manuals and stuff. Yeah. You know, well, I was the second floor, of Mr. Larry Lasher. They'd sort of put him out to pasture. He's just kind of waiting to retire and everything. An old Syracuse football player from back in the probably late forties, big man, big man, and uh, <laughs> we had a you know a drill to evacuate the building. And I was checking the second floor, and his doors cracked open. I said, Mr. Lasher, you realize we're having a drill, supposed to evacuate? I don't have time to play games. <laughs> okay. I pulled his door back, too. I went down, and the search warden, you know, down there, Mr. Carl Half, he said, Jack's the second floor clear. Everybody but Mr. Larry Lasher. And then he said, well, go up there and tell him to get out. And I said, if you want Larry Lasher to leave, you go tell him to get out. You go <laughs> He said he did tell me he didn't have time to play games. <laughs> he said, I'll just mark him okay. <laughs> I said, this is kind of what I thought. When, when they cut out they cut out smoking in public buildings, I, I still at the fire department we got a we we got an alarm up there at the courthouse. And of course it's second floor, you know, and we go through there clearing everybody. I walked in Judge Evans' office, son, and they smoke rolling out of that garbage can. He throwed that cigar down in there and caught it on fire. And he had the window open and was a it's fan. Man in it. And I just looked at him. I said, trouble? He said, no, and shut your mouth. <laughs> That's all they wanted to hear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you want to get out of that next oh. ticket, just hush. <laughs> oh, there, boy, that was funny. Yeah. God, boy, it was funny. Yeah. But you know, you're talking about just you know the history of Kingston. Some of the businesses I named there, you know, a while ago, the Western Auto, Patton Hartman, Sim O'Brien. I, I, you know, I went like most people when Sim passed away. I went and stood in the receiving line, and probably the only one I ever stood in longer was George Prater. Right. And I, of course, you know, knew ninety percent of the people in the line. Right. You know, it was old Kingston people mostly, and. Uh, I was talking to him and probably talked to, as the line was serpentine, you'd talk to him as he walked by, probably talked to 50 different people that Sim O'Brien had done some sort of favor for, mm-hmm. you know, like when they first got married or something, yeah, you know, sold them a TV on time. Yeah, and kept it in know. that little file yeah. card over on the side oh, and you yeah, went there and paid yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Man, I love Sim O'Brien, but yeah. he was, a, he was a, and I say this every show, man, I'm just, I'm so blessed and lucky to to have grown up how I did oh, yeah. and, and where I did and, yeah. and 
those guys, man, meant the world to me. Oh yeah, yeah. Just I mean, just a uh, one time, uh, I, I believe it was the Super Bowl that was coming on. I can't remember. It's something. It's, it's something my daddy was wanting to watch, <laughs> and TV went out. And of course, we bought it at Sim O'Brien's, like everything else, electronic in the house. Yeah. You know, the stereo right. or whatever else. And we called Sim, and it was about quitting time on Saturday. He said, Florida, come out there before we go home. And went in there, and he said, I know what it is. And he turned it on. You know, he knew those Zenith TVs. Sure. You know, they were in his head. He plugged this little part in, and TV came right on, you know. And they said, how much owe you? He said, I'll oh, come by first of the week, pay me. He said, I, I'm on the way home. I'm going to watch that, too. Or something. <laughs> 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 you know, that's, that's the way you did business. You know, you yeah. didn't. You know, you didn't have to mortgage your life, you know, mortgage no, your right. house to do something right. like that. And I, I, that's that's where our first color TV came from. Uh, and I can tell you when, when daddy, and I can count on one hand the number of major purchases that my daddy made when he was alive. My mama did all the, just like Lisa does for us. Right. If I didn't look at my check on online at work, I wouldn't know how much I made. Right. Because she pays all the bills sure. and all that kind of stuff, and that's the way Mama was. Right. Well, Daddy said, uh, he want a checkbook. Mom said, where are you going? He said, Samuel Bryant. She said, what for? He said, I'm going to buy a color TV that's fixing to land on the moon, fixing to do the, the moon shot, you know, 1969. July 1969. And she said, well, we can't afford that. And he said, this is a moment in history and my kids gonna watch it in color, and so went down there. And of course, you know they paid for it. But, you know, Mama just liked to worry. You know, right. <laughs> that's what mamas do. Like, that's like all mamas, yeah. yeah, that's what they get paid for. But anyway, he went down there and brought that color TV home, and we watched, the, you know, the rocket go and all that kind of stuff, and Houston Center and all that kind of stuff. Well, they get on the moon and the cameras are black, black and white. And white. Yeah. <laughs> My mama ragged them about that. Oh, I didn't even think about that when you started that story, but you're right. Yeah. No, but that's when we got a color TV. From so you can watch a black and white moon landing. Black and white moon landing. Yeah. Oh, we can go to the moon, them. but we can't show it in color. Oh, yeah. Mama ragged him about that. Oh, yeah. Go, go. You, we could have watched that on the old TV, you know. Of course, it was in my and Mark's bedroom by then, so we, that's where it moved to. That's funny. That's fun. I, oh, yeah. I, the, the, I, of course, that, my, my family's the same way. We bought everything from Sim. I remember one Christmas, the first thing I remember, of course, well, there was stuff there already that, that they bought that I don't remember, but we got a forehead VCR for Christmas. Daddy got us one time. Yeah. It was about, looked like a... Oh, it's, it's pretty big. It's like two grown men. And he, yeah. said, he, said, that's a, he said, that's a forehead VCR. And I said, wow, what's that mean? He said, I don't know. But Sim said, it's the best out there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it means or yeah. what it means. We don't know what it well, means. Well, when I first went to work at K-25, I worked a lot of overtime and then started working some shift work. I still lived at home. And I, that was 76. And microwaves were just getting popular. So Christmas... 1976, I went to Sears and Roebuck, South Harriman, and bought my mama a microwave and a little old cart to set it off because you didn't have cabinet space in the Cherokee right. Hills house, you know. That microwave took me and Mark both, and Mark's a pretty good sized boy, <laughs> you know, to carry it in the house. That's a, I mean, it was heavy as a washing machine, you yeah. know. And we, I didn't know if that little cart would hold it or not, but that's what it was made for. The cart was made for. So. And 
first, mom was a little afraid of it, and then she got where she used it all the time and used it for years and years and years. And I guarantee you the microwave is in my house now, which is a lot fancier and does a lot more things. You can carry it with a cord yeah. right, and not hurt it. You know? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That if you'd have dropped that one, it would oh, knock all oh, the floor. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, I bet it weighed 200 pounds. <laughs> Oh, it weighs nice. most of them big old console TVs that you know yeah. used to weigh. And, oh man! I, but man, it, it heat a hot dog in a hurry. I mean, you I know. guarantee it. We didn't we didn't know what all they do. I just I well, no, read that, about them yeah, and seen them advertise and stuff. We split atoms yeah. back in the day. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah we went to see, I went to Sears and and bought them one because you know I I went to work like I say nineteen seventy six seven hundred and forty dollars a month. And I thought, I'll have to take vacation and spend money because I ain't going to have time to spend that kind of money because I've been making $2 now. Right. You know. I said, there ain't no And then I started working overtime, and they paid me time and a half and double time on Sunday and holidays. There ain't no way. You know what they do. Of course, I'd already bought a boat from Jack Mickey. As soon as I found out they was doing the Q clearance on me, I went to Jack Mickey and told him it looked me good to use bass boat. Right. And uh, I bought it, financed it, Bank of Rome County, bought it in June, Performed to work in August and paid it off in September. And old uh, David Wright down there at Mike yeah. County, yeah. he got some at me. He said, Jack, I can't make no money like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't give I didn't give but I think, $2,300 for the whole rig. Boat motor, trailer, locator, you know, trolling motor, whole nine yards. And this new one I bought from Curtis three years ago, the prop cost more than that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no doubt. I, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a different world oh, yeah. for sure now. Yeah, I, I paid more for it than I did the first house me and Lisa bought. So. <laughs> but that's just, you know, that's the only thing I do. I don't golf and don't hunt, and, but I, I like to wear the line, so. It's fun. I tell you, man, it's fun. It's a habit for me. Yeah, absolutely. The worst things you can be doing. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And if you get old Yancey out there and get catching them crappie and stuff, oh, I it's like you, watching yeah. a comedy show. Yeah. It, and he's like fishing with a three-year-old. Right. He asks 4,000 questions in a day. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, Jack, buddy, we, we, man, we, we appreciate you coming out tonight and being with us. Uh, a, a, a true, a true Kingston treasure. Uh, man, I've, I've, I've just turned 46, and I, I can't remember a time I didn't know Jack Adams. Oh, yeah. and, and, you know, you've always been around and always been a friend of my family's and always been good to me and my family, and, and just want to tell you how much we appreciate you. Okay. Yeah, Jack, thank you. And, and we always try to learn something. And we have. And we have. Yeah. We Thursday. Thursday afternoons, you, we you close find, the town. You, you find an old-timer and ask <laughs> I, I guarantee you. I, I, I went right know, that, right I don't down. know when. Thursday at noon, she <laughs> shut down. John Browder, of course, still living. But he'll tell you, Thursday. And that's uh, when he went to Knoxville. When they closed on Thursday, he went and got stuff that, you know, he, he it's had. probably when the business people did their shopping. He had places that he'd go every Thursday afternoon and Friday morning. Like in the summertime, if I wasn't at school, you'd have to unload his truck because he'd have a truckload of stuff that he picked up in Knoxville for people. You know, <laughs> I'll have to. I, I'm sure. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what time I'll get this uploaded, but I guarantee you, I'll get a phone call about that tonight. Probably from my dad. Well, you would, know, would be who I'd think probably you know, first. You, you, you like to say, you know, Jody McLeods and Bit Kings and stuff like that. They'll remember that. You know, they, I, I never knew that. Yeah, never. Yeah, you might need to look into doing that again. Oh, yeah, I'd get shot. I wish they'd do it hire me, well. to be honest with you. <laughs> no, I don't. That just means my, my day off would be Thursday afternoon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Ah! 
Oh, yeah, that's uh, Jack. Our condolences. Uh, I, I did. I, I knew Lisa's dad had been sick, but I didn't know he, yeah, he, 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 he passed away. Twentieth of December, we had him cremated, and we're going to bury the remains tomorrow and have a service at at their house. The twentieth of December or the twentieth yeah. of January. Twentieth of December. December. He passed away. I not. How did I not know that? We had him cremated, and, and he's sitting in my dining room right now, and uh, so, uh, but that it, that ain't Ray. Raised right. up there with his mom and daddy, my daddy, mama. And right. I, we was, the night he died, we was all sitting around the living room after, you know, Billy Adcox and them come and got him and, and hauled him away. And we was, we was talking about it. And I said, yeah, I said, you know. And his mama was a talker. Granny Padgett was a talker. She would talk till she run out of breath. And she'd go, <gasps> and she'd go, Man. and I said, no. Granny Padgett ain't shut up yet since he hit the pearly gates. And I said, and soon she takes first breath. My mom said, "Come on and eat, Ray. I got supper ready." <laughs> <laughs> you, you, t- you talk about him sitting over there in your living room, man. I, Tammy probably gonna kill me for saying this, but I gotta tell this. It, it wasn't long after Alan passed, and uh, it's probably been a couple of weeks. And of course, I call Tammy all the time. Me and Tammy grown a lot She's closer. She's good. Yeah, she is. She is. But uh, I called her. She'd already went back to work. It may even been more than a couple of weeks but I called her and I said hey what are, you, what are you doing she said well I'm fixing fixing to leave work go pick up Alan and I said what she said well I, I can go pick up Alan I said you okay <laughs> she said well yeah why I said damn it and she said well I gotta go get his eyes and I had to cover my mouth <laughs> to keep I didn't want her to hear me laughing yeah. and then she started laughing and I started laughing because we both knew he'd have done the same exact thing to sure, us. Sure. He, he, yeah. If he that been him going to get my ashes, he'd call Tammy fussing about it. Yeah, yeah. You gotta go over and pick up Bubba. I always can't nobody else go get him. I'm gonna use him for fertilizer. <laughs> but I, you know, I that was really. I, you hear people get cremated all the time. I never really knew much about it. Didn't want to know nothing about yeah. it. Now, I mean, that's the way to do it. Now, that's uh, it's you. Compare the prices. Yeah, yeah. Just opening the grave. We went over there the day and five, six hundred. Opening the grave for now. This box that, that he's in. Oh, it's about it, about, it look, about half that heater. Half as big as that heater yeah. right there. Eight hundred and ninety-five dollars to open a hole big enough to put that in. And the lady said that if he was in a casket, it'd be like fourteen hundred dollars. Just, that's opening the hole. That ain't the vault, you know, and all that kind of stuff. That's crazy. And and Kikers part is eight to ten grand, you know, casket and all. It was three three grand to cremate you know. Like I say, that ain't Ray. That's an old wore out earth suit. Sure, so, you know. <laughs> sure. No, you're right. You're so, right. Uh, I told Lisa, I said, don't pay the $895. You sprinkle me on watch bar Chickamauga. There you go. Pay them fish back a little bit. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And uh, anybody out there with a local crematorium, I'll send you a bill for the, the <laughs> sponsorship there. Getting you some business. Uh, again, Jack, man, we appreciate it. Oh, Thank good. you so much. Enjoy it. Uh, we'll Bye. be back uh, next week. Got some big ball games coming up for the, for the round ball jackets this week. Get out and support them. Uh, be sure to check out our podcast on uh, Facebook and also 
www.03media.com. And we'll see you next week.